Welcome to episode two of Just Jerry Live, plotting perspectives in church life with Todd and Jeff. I am Todd Bryant from Northport, Alabama. And I think everybody knows you're from Alabama, by the way. I am Jeff Short from Godfrey, Illinois. Why would you say that? Just a hunch. I don't. I, I mean, I, I'm not following at all. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. <laughs> I have gotten that question several times. Uh, you aren't from around here, are you? <laughs> it doesn't much matter where I go either. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> what? Uh, how's the weather up there in Godfrey? Well, seems like life is returning back to normal. Yesterday was the big storm. Uh, we got about five, six inches of snow and uh, closed a few places down. But I tell you, they got the roads cleaned up pretty quickly. And uh, we still got some snow laying around, but hopefully it's starting to melt off a little bit. You drinking hot chocolate? <laughs> no, not drinking anything at the moment, actually. Uh, one, one, maybe we'll do an episode on uh, what kind of various warm drinks we like to drink. I know we that's one thing the listeners will pick up on, I think, is that uh, we like a nice spiced chai latte every once in a while. It's hard to beat a chai latte. <laughs> well, look, today we're going to we're going to discuss something that's uh, close to people's heart. Uh, and and yet probably we will look at some things from a just Jerry perspective, uh, which which means we, we may not be completely authoritative, but we have strong opinions on these things. Why is reading important? And I, I mean, I think we live in a culture where you know, reading is rare. Uh, I talk to people who haven't read a book in years, one book. And, you know, as pastors, especially, but I think as church members as well, we need to be reading. And I hope that we've got some neat thoughts today for the listeners. You know, I think uh, with the media and everything that we have today, um, obviously our reading habits have changed. And even the reading that we do online tends to tends to be a skimming and not really a reading and a processing. So I think really reading is, is maybe more important than it's ever been in terms of, of the benefits, you know, to our lives. When's the last time you got a comment about having a, a long blog post that somebody had to read and uh, on your Microsoft word, it was, you know, a page maybe. (laughs) Well, I try to keep those, less than a thousand words and, and, uh, even less than that if I can, but yeah, it's, they get very long. People aren't going to read them. That does tell you something about our culture though. We're just, we're just not a reading culture. I think television has certainly killed our culture relative to reading and people just aren't quite as interested in taking six hours to read a novel when they can watch the movie in 90 minutes. Now, that 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 begs the question though why why read I mean we live in a culture where you you can live life without ever reading a word on a piece of paper what's the point you know I actually heard uh, had someone say that to me one time you know that you can why read books when you can just Google anything you want to know but if you delve into the science of it uh, a little bit. It affects different areas of your brain. So watching a video or listening even to a podcast like this is going to use different parts of your brain than reading something. So 
it's it's important to read from the standpoint of of really you know exercising a part of your brain that probably doesn't get much use you know in today's world uh so i think it's very important for learning um for you know enriching your life informing your mind expanding uh, your mind as well you know i was sitting in the uh, local toyota dealership the other day reading uh I had a couple of books with me just in case I got tired of reading one, I could pick the other up, but I was actually reading a Sherlock Holmes novel, uh, Hound of the Baskervilles. And uh, I just happened to glance around at what other folks were doing when I had finished a chapter. And I mean, 90% of people were, you know, surfing some kind of social media on their phones. And I couldn't hit that. That doesn't mean I'm not on social media. Certainly I am. And it unfortunately stretches your mind in the wrong direction oftentimes. But I, I couldn't help but think of how how we don't really exercise our brains enough in our culture. And so I think what what you're saying is absolutely the case. OK, we're going to have to time out and step back just a minute. Did you say you carried a couple of books to the car dealership with you. I, we're talking hard copy paper books, right? <laughs> I am. Uh, I, look, I, I have a Kindle. I, I love electronic books. Uh, I read them all the time. I'm reading one right now on Kindle. So I'm not anti Kindle, but there's still something about, about a book that I enjoy. Yeah. I had a, I had a hard copy of uh, Sherlock Holmes, novel, like I was saying, that I, I was reading there in the dealership. And now the other book that I had was on Kindle. So uh, again, I'm not against Kindle, but yeah, I did have a hard copy book. Well, extra points for that. <laughs> I still, you know, every day when I get up to read my devotions, which I try to read through the Bible every year, and I'm certain at some point in uh, just Jerry's life, we will talk about the importance of that. But I still read a hard copy Bible in the morning. I just I like it. Uh, I get a cup of coffee and and I enjoy that that hard copy piece of paper in front of me. You do realize you're just confirming to everyone that their suspicions are correct as to how old you are. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't help it. It's just uh, it's what I, I've also got a watch, by the way, that winds by movement. It's a self-winding deal. If you set it on the counter for a couple of days, it's dead. It's not doing anything. So I guess I am old. A watch that you actually put on your wrist? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're a dinosaur. <laughs> well, you know, how broad, I mean, we're pastors. So I think everybody just assumes all we do is read, you know, systematic theology all the time. And that's just not the case. I, I think that it personally, that everybody should read a, you know, a wide range of topics, a wide range of genre. And I mean, like I said, I've, I just got finished reading Hound of the Baskervilles. I never had read it. I thought it was a, a great read. It only took me a couple of days. It's a, it's a clean book. It's a great story. And, um, but how broadly should, should we read as Christians, not necessarily just as pastors. I know we have a pastoral perspective, but how broadly should Christians read? Well, we should read broadly as pastors. You just have to know a little bit about everything. That's just the nature of it. You're going to be you're going to be getting up and preaching to people 
you're trying to communicate with that have all different types of backgrounds and experiences in life and, and what have you, maybe jobs or whatever. And you need to be able to communicate. Um, you need to be able to talk with people, you know, from different walks of life and, and what you, you just, you just have to know a little bit about everything. And reading is really the only way to accomplish that other than living numerous lives and uh, ha- gaining all those experiences, which, you know, none of us are going to be able to do. But even as Christians, um, we do need to read widely because we, we need the challenge to think about new things. I mean, it's, it, I think it's even a part of mental health, um, you know, that you're exploring different areas or, you know, new areas and thinking about things. Um, but even to, even to help understand it's just hard to say how that it all works together, but you'll be reading in, and I've had this experience. I'll be reading something that's just totally unrelated and I will come across something that will actually give me insight into some other area. And, you know, maybe something I was even studying in scripture or something I'm thinking about. And then I'm reading something totally unrelated. And then, you know, I gain some sort of insight into that. So, when I say read broadly, I, I really do think we should read broadly. You know, Jeff, I, I've I've been accused of being a young preacher. I, I don't, <laughs> my kids certainly don't feel that way. And I, well, you're doing your best to kick against that, carrying books around and wearing a wristwatch and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's the whole purpose in that. By the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been I've been pastoring for 20 years, and I don't feel like a young preacher. That that said, though, I mean, I'm 45. There's a younger generation in our church, obviously, in some churches that that gulf between the age of the pastor and the age of the youth is even wider than it is here. What let me back up. How important is it for that older pastor to try to read something that those youths have in front of their face at school? Like, for instance, if they go off to college, they're going to read books by Bart Ehrman that's saying, you know, he used to be a Christian. The the Bible's uh, untrustworthy. Is it wrong for us as pastors to just dismiss that completely without at least reading something relative to that? Well, that's an excellent point. I I mean, we are going to be faced with various challenges. and, And the fact of it is, you know, kids growing up today and getting to that later high school and college age, they're growing up in a different world than you and I did. We you know, take my, that for granted, I think, by the way. Well, my kids asked me the other day, was driving and, and they was asking me something about what kind of phone I had, you know, when I was a kid. I said, one that screwed to the wall. <laughs> With a cord, <laughs> right. you know, about 20 feet long. So they started asking. And, and when they got to the point where I finally told them, it was like, I didn't ha- look, I didn't have Internet. I didn't have a computer. You know, they got that uh, astonished look on their face and said, what did you do? <laughs> I said, I just went outside and played with rocks and sticks. That's, that's all I had. But you know, the, we have to realize that, you know, the younger generation, they're just not growing up in the same world that we did. That is right. It's very easy for us to lose touch and really not be able to communicate and not be able to speak to them, to the things that, you know, they're being challenged with. And so, yeah, I think it is extremely important. 
And, and you know, by the way, those those books that we're going to have to read on those subjects is passed. But I, I completely agree with what you're saying, by the way, are are not always going to be easy reads. I read Canon Revisited the, earlier this year by Michael Kruger. That is just a very scientific approach to how the Bible was was put together initially, how the New Testament became the New Testament. And I mean, you had to pay attention and reread. And But our younger generation is asking those questions. And I think it's just important, you know, for a guy to read those. That, that by the way, brings me to a, a subject that I wanted to make sure that we talked about a little bit today. I don't want to go too long in this podcast, but it, those are newer books. I mean, Canon Revisited by Michael Kruger is very recent. Is there a benefit to reading older stuff? And how would you compare reading older, you know, say the Puritans or even older than that with, you know, more modern books? Which do you lean to more? I think there is a benefit. I don't know if I want to give preference. I want to try to be fairly balanced. One of the things that C.S. Lewis wrote, and I know that a lot of people, you know, go running and screaming when you mention C.S. Lewis. He had his problems, but you just can't argue with the fact that uh, he did have a brilliant mind. But one of the things that he wrote about in his introduction to uh, a reprint of Athanasius on the Incarnation, he was talking about reading old books versus new. And one of the things he said there, which I think is just absolutely right, is that every generation has its own particular blind spots. And because of that, you know, we don't know their blind spots. We don't know what they are. We can't see them. We don't think. We have. Yeah. And there's a, there's a current of thought that goes through a particular generation. And so we have to read things outside in order to gain more perspective, even of the time that we're living in. Ideally, we'd be able to read something from the future so that, you know, we'd realize all the mistakes we're making right now. <laughs> but unfortunately, those books haven't been you know, written or published yet. So what, what we can do is go back to older times, older time periods. And they have the same problem. You know, they were they were writing in their own time, in their own day. And they were facing sometimes you'll read a book. I remember reading uh, one of uh, one of J.R. Graves books, for instance. And it was so locked into that t- time that he was mentioning churches and preachers and controversy things I had no I didn't have a clue what he's talking about in them. I just I'm just wasn't aware of, of what he was talking about and who he was talking about. So every generation, you know, ha- has their blind spots too, but we look we can look at them from outside and evaluate them differently. So you you don't want to just read, you know, only new or only old or you know, you do want to read a diversity of topics, but also from a diversity of time periods. Diversity of topics. How, how, I mean, I obviously mentioned that I just got through reading a Sherlock Holmes novel, which I'm sure people are saying, what in the world is a pastor reading a Sherlock Holmes novel for? Doesn't he have more important things to be reading than that? I'm not the only pastor that reads fiction, right? No, I don't think so. In fact, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty huge Sherlock Holmes fan in terms of uh, the books. And I've not seen I know there's been some different movies and things like that made. I've not seen very many of those. I've I've seen some of the black and whites, but and they were fine. Really, I have a, a complete set of all of the novels and short stories that uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote of Sherlock Holmes. So I've read that entire canon. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan, and uh, I think you know reading fiction does have a lot of different benefits to it. 
Well, I mean, we all are going to get entertainment one way or another. I, I think sometimes when you think, you know, fiction bad, nonfiction good, uh, you're missing the point that we all are going to be entertained, whether that's in watching a football game or listening to music or reading a book or watching a television program or even a movie. Entertainment is entertainment. Your mind needs that. I think God gave us entertainment, clean entertainment, not not wicked entertainment, but right. but God gave us that for our mind, for our benefit. You know, I read earlier this year, I don't ever recall having read Romeo and Juliet in school. I read Romeo and Juliet earlier this year just because it's a classic. And I, I there were some things in it I could have done without, you know, Shakespearean language. Shakespeare himself was a little liberal in some ways, uh, especially with some of the language that he used actually would be considered somewhat vulgar in today's language. And I, I made, when I, we're both on Goodreads, I did a, a review on that book and mentioned that. But nonetheless, I thought the story in and of itself was benefit. I actually made it into a sermon one time as I was speaking a, 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 in an introduction to Genesis, which we started recently. I said, you know, if, you, if all you ever hear is the suicide of Juliet, you never know the whole story. You've missed it. Right. That obviously never would have made it into that introduction had I not read it. But I think fiction is, if you're going to watch something on television, you're probably going to get a whole lot more from reading a good classic novel like, you know, The Hound of the Baskervilles or any other. What about biographies? You, you, are those beneficial yeah. to us at all? Or, Well, let me say just a couple more things about fiction, and then we'll talk about that. You go back to the to the brain science again. And reading fiction also affects you somewhat differently than reading a business book, for instance. You know, the way that you're processing that information. So fiction has a tendency to affect us somewhat emotionally. And one of the things that reading fiction does is that it increases our empathy. I think it, it helps us. It, it can give us good fiction, can give us insight into human character. And so Sherlock Holmes has, has its benefits. One of the most brilliant authors I believe is Jane Austen. And uh, yeah, I know everybody groans and moans. You talk about Jane Austen, but she was just a brilliant author. She, she, you know, had a very sharp mind. She was funny, um, but she could capture a character and paint a character in, in such real ways. And you get insight. She could show, a character as being deplorable without, without having to show, you know, the gratuitous type of wickedness that you probably would get in your average movie today to show you that, Hey, this is a bad guy, but she could do that just in, in a brilliant way. So I think there's benefits to that. As far as biographies, absolutely. Reading about the lives of others in different time periods and in different areas of life are definitely worth reading. And I think they, um, they help us learn and, and grow as people reading history in general, uh, is obviously, um, uh, another good thing that we ought to do being informed of, of what has happened and, and sort of looking at things around us today and seeing where they're going as well. Yeah. It's funny. You, you say that you, you mentioned J.R. Graves earlier, who was a huge, uh, character in the Southern Baptist Convention in the late 1800s. I actually read his biography 
earlier this year. And, and it is interesting, the things that he faced in life that really we just almost take for granted. They're afterthoughts in our generation, which goes back to what you were saying about books written in that generation. They're obviously uh, addressing issues that we aren't. The, the, the drawback of only reading older books would be, though, that you aren't reading books that do face your generation. In other words, you're not going to find a book in the 1800s written about abortion or gay marriage. Those things aren't there. So you're going to have to read something modern to find that. Even, you know, the intricate details of the reliability of the New Testament really wasn't a question 150 years ago. You're going to you're going to have to read a more modern book on on those things. So what so when you're reading a book, you're picking a book to read you always pick one that you agree with a hundred percent or do you ever challenge yourself? No, I, sometimes I do it deliberately and sometimes I do it unknowingly. You know, I'll, I'll read a book and sometimes I will specifically read it because I know that it, it's something I disagree with. So it's going to, it's going to present this issue or topic, whatever that it is. And it's going to present it from a different perspective and, Sometimes I'll read it and I'll think, you know, they just don't really have much of an argument and uh, I'll go on. Uh, The best ones I think are when you disagree with it, but when they, when they really lay out their argument and their thought process, that's helpful. And even if you disagree with it to see how they get to where they are, how did they get to this position? How is it that they're saying this passage of the Bible, you know, supports this idea? And that can be very helpful, you know, coming to understand the subject better and, and being able to, to talk about it better and, and discuss it better and may, and even teach it better if you're a preacher. Well, it, look, let's just be honest. If you still hold every single position that you have ever held in your entire life and you've never changed on anything, you just aren't learning. I mean, you, you didn't have the whole Bible right the day you were saved. That, right. In fact, I think scripture is clear about that. You were a babe in Christ and you needed to you needed to grow. And if all you ever do is try to find books that tell you you're already right, you're, you're just not really going to be benefited from those books. It's it's similar to the, the the warning of the last days, you know, that people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears because they want to be right. basically be told that they're fine. They're OK. And it's the same idea in reading books that already, you know, agree with everything you do. I, I think you need to challenge yourself. Now, that said, there are books that I just don't read, books out there that I really don't think there's a spiritual benefit to, prosperity gospel books. I don't generally read those type books. They're they're full of heresy and, and heretical thought, and I just I just have more things to do. I'd rather read that Sherlock Holmes novel. <laughs> but would there ever be a time to read such a book Uh, there could be you know if maybe you have a a friend or someone you work with and you know maybe they've read a book that you know it's just trash i mean it's just not it's just garbage there's no reason to to read it but yet you know they've liked it i could see you know saying hey i'll read that book and let's discuss it and so you know maybe work through it and and talk about it and talk about why it's wrong or why it's off or maybe a better way to think about something. So there, there certainly could be reasons for that. Maybe research for, for some reason, uh, there could be reasons to read those kind of books, but I would say generally those are the kind of things you want to avoid. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. Not to not to give John MacArthur props, but if your best life is now, then you're going to hell. So, All right. Yeah. Look, right. we obviously are running out of time. I, I hope that folks have been challenged a little bit to read. Uh, reading is certainly important, and I hope that uh, we've given some thoughts. Some of them certainly are ours, thus the name Just Jerry. But uh, I think there's some wisdom behind some 40 years of ministry that we have behind us, and I hope that uh, everybody will get a book and get started reading. Yeah, let me give one last parting shot here. Um, you mentioned taking some books with you to the car dealership. Now, I'm assuming that that's not just your preferred spot to go and get some reading done. You were probably <laughs> waiting for the work done. <laughs> so one of the number one reasons why people say they don't read is that they don't have time. And I read just last year, I read Louis L'Amour's memoir, which he just talks about his life and, and primarily about his reading and he talked about how one year he deliberately kept track of all the books he read while he was waiting on people. So he specifically kept a record of that. And I think he read something like 25 books in a year just while he was waiting on people at different times. Wow. There is time. And, you know, don't underestimate what 15 to 20 minutes here and there can do. You can actually read quite a few books in a year just reading in those small chunks like you know we've both got a mutual friend that was with us at uh, the seminar that we mentioned in the last podcast uh, pastor Lewis Kiger down in Georgia that that just sort of challenged people to read 10 pages out of three books a day and that's doable that's not that's not a ton yeah. of reading and and that's that's three 300 page books a month when you think on it in those terms, you know, you really do have time. It's, it's the same complaint. People say there's no way I can read through the Bible in a year, every year, which I think both of us have done for a long, long time, but that takes 15, 20 minutes a day at most. It's doable. People just are used to putting that time towards something else. And, you know, generally speaking, if we just didn't watch one television program, most of us could read a novel a week and the Bible in a year and still have some time left over. Absolutely. Look, I know we've gone a little bit longer than probably we intended, but reading is a big part of our life, at least should be. If you have any questions or comments, please make them, and we hope to see you next time.